Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, today we're talking about this really important characteristic, life skill, if you will, of commitment. And we've got a kind of a fun way we like to talk about commitment here, and I wondered if you might kick us off that way. Yeah, sure. So in the very first Habitudes course, uh, one of our Habitude images is simply called the half-hearted mountain climber. Yes. Now, you all listening know there is no such thing as a half-hearted mountain climber. You're either mountain climber or you're half-hearted, but yes. they don't usually go together. So it's based on um, a real live place in the Swiss Alps. For decades, there was a uh, resort in the Swiss Alps that caters to groups who want to ascend the beautiful mountain, oftentimes first-time climbers. Yeah. So they're not you know, really experienced, but hey, let's do this together. The fun will be we're doing it together. So about halfway up this mountain, there's a, a um, kind of a, well, it's a restaurant, but it's sort of a halfway house because it's halfway up. Yeah. And in this little um, halfway house, there are beautiful glass walls, a fireplace, hot chocolate, hot coffee. Yeah. Because, you know, you're going to be probably cold yeah. halfway up the mountain. Yeah. And what typically happens is such a picture of commitment today. So let's say a group is ascending the mountain uh, let's say the group decides, hey, let's stop and get some hot chocolate. Perfect. They all go in. They all get their hot chocolate. Okay, time to get back out there now. Well, part of the group goes back out and says, all right, let's finish. And the other group goes, you know, it's pretty cozy in it's here. It's nice. It's yeah. nice in here. I love this hot chocolate. And the whipped cream is to die for, yeah. you know. And so about half the group stays back. Well, at first, they're glad about that decision because they're going, man, I'm cozy and nice. Fred's probably freezing to death up there, you know. Yeah. But after a while, everybody that chose the cozy option now is wondering, well, what, what's it like? And, yeah. and they start looking out the window, and suddenly they see their team that they're not on anymore coming back down, smiling from ear to ear. They did it. They ascended the mountain. They made the peak. But, you know, this group in here just has an empty mug that <laughs> yeah. was once full of hot chocolate. Yeah. The whole point is... We often stop halfway in our commitments, and today more so than ever. Not just kids, all of us. Um, it's interesting, Andrew, in that chapter of the Habitude book, remember we talk about the root meaning of mediocre. Yes. Think about the word mediocre. Think about the letters, mediocre. It literally originally meant middle of the rock. Mm. It was a mountain climbing term that meant mediocre or average is, I made it halfway up the yeah, mountain. I you tried know? and didn't finish. That's right. And so many times that's where we are today with our with our lives. So in fact, let, let's not pick on the kids yet. Let's let's talk about us for just a minute. I think as options go up, commitment tends to drop because yep. there's so many opportunities I have to do different things. So so many marriages don't finish. Yeah. You know, we thought we were going to finish, but we we didn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, a membership to a club, a college degree, yeah. that diploma, uh, a job, a partnership, so many things we would say it's now the norm to start but not finish. And so, Andrew, as you just said, in today's podcast, we're not just talking about commitment. We're talking about how is it that we can draw commitment from a new generation and it sticks. Mm. It's not going to be easy, and we're going to have to make some changes to get that done. Absolutely. 
well, we know that commitment is essential for success in life for all the yeah. reasons that you just pointed out, right? We're not just talking about do we have the ability to uh, make a New Year's resolution and follow through it in all year, uh, all year long. This is yeah. life stuff, yeah. right? Am I going to stick it through this degree that mm-hmm. I'm halfway through at this yeah. point? Am I going to stick it through this yeah. relationship that I'm halfway through? And I think the the caliber of success in today's world, mm-hmm. if we're being honest, yeah. is sometimes defined by simply the people who are willing to finish what they started. That's right. It, it, it actually is so rare today that it often the person who sticks out the most is simply the one who was able to finish. That's right. Yeah, they weren't necessarily more talented, higher IQ, more gifted. They were the people that just stayed, stayed, stayed in it. Um, it's interesting, Andrew. I remember distinctly, this just came to me, uh, talking with my kids when they were still in the house. They're adults now. Uh, but um, having a talk about commitment because I was noticing they were wanting. Well, I, th- I think it was uh, Jonathan wanted to quit the the uh, soccer team early mm-hmm. and you know that sort of thing. And that wouldn't have been the end of the world. No. Nope. But my wife and I had a. Th- if you start a season, you don't have to like it, but you're going to finish the season. You don't have to go back next season. You don't yeah. have to play soccer anymore the rest of your life. But finish what you start. And it was it was actually a good life. So here's what I concluded, and here's what I shared with, with my kids at the time. They were mm, fifth grade and, and, and uh, ninth grade, okay? I remember saying, here's why commitment's hard. Change is normal. So you're all going to think, this. I'm bored now. I want to change. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you agree? You grew up in a generation where change... Subject to Happening change was one time. of the most yep. normal phrases you heard. So change is normal. Life is more convenient. Mm. And I think when life becomes more convenient, I'll just speak for me, it's harder for me to stick to a commitment that's no longer glitzy or glamorous. There's no more goosebumps. And then lastly, as I just mentioned, options are greater. So because there's so many options out there, the grass, I have FOMO. Yep. Uh, the grass looks greener. Yep. So because of those Subject to change is how we live our lives. Yeah, There's a better option out there. And I just think we're going to have to find a way to equip the next generation to do better than we did, who didn't finish perhaps a commitment or a marriage or a club, whatever, and say, you can do this even when you're not feeling it anymore. Absolutely. Well, uh, in preparation for this, we were talking about you know, really several examples of this down through history, but there is, um, there've been a number of famous ones. And I wonder if you could share, um, share one of those with us. Um, it's the, the story of a, a, a little known, um, well, not little known today, but it was little known when it started competition uh, between two companies that uh, ended up sparking or being an, a really excellent example of what happens when we don't finish uh, on our commitments and make the most of our opportunities. Yeah. So uh, most of you know the name Reed Hastings. Um, Reed was the guy who sold his tech company, celebrated it with his wife, rented a movie at Blockbuster Video. We all remember those days, don't we? And uh, he ended up losing the video cassette. And when they finally found it, long after it was due, mm-hmm. he returned it to the library, just, you know, the old library. And, of course, he owed a big fine. Yeah. Well, he tried to negotiate it, but he had to pay the fine. And he said, my two big thoughts driving away were, how do I tell my wife we owe this much money? <laughs> and secondly, there's got to be a better way to do home entertainment. Yeah. And Reed Hastings, of course, is the one that came up with the idea of Netflix. Yeah. Now, that's the story everybody knows. The story that some may not know is that Reed actually took that idea early on to Blockbuster Video, to corporate, and said, 
this is the future. Yeah. You know, Netflix is short for internet films or movies. Yeah. We're going to be able to stream these things. And at first we may mail these, you know, DVDs out, but yeah. eventually, and Blockbuster just didn't see it. And instead of staying committed to home entertainment, they were committed to a methodology that just was antiquated. Yeah. And Andrew, I know you've heard me say this. You may have said it too, but I just wonder if we're approaching a Netflix generation, Gen Z, uh, with a blockbuster style of leadership yeah. and commitment sometimes. Yeah. We're saying, well, yeah, you're, you, you're obligated to stay. You signed up. Well, that just doesn't. Um, that may be true. And duty is, is, is a great thing. But I'm saying I'm finding most of Gen Z going, what duty? What obligation? I, I've yeah. got something else that is going to bear more fruit or be more fun. Yep. So. In other words, the uh, lack of commitment that we're seeing in today's generation may be as much a result of the way we're leading them as it is any necessarily innate characteristic that we might be seeing. I think so. They are a product of the world they're growing yeah. up in in so many ways. Yeah, so I'll give you a quick example of exactly what we're talking about. Two um, leaders, staff members of university clubs, uh, universities almost always have dozens and dozens and dozens of, of campus-led yeah. organizations. But they spoke to me um, earlier uh, this month about the challenges they face with their organizations, and most of them surrounded this issue. We recruit people, students, and they stay a little while, and then, you know, they fizzle. So at first they sizzle, and then they fizzle, basically, <laughs> is what happened. Um, they couldn't seem to keep committed members, and yeah. they were frustrated. And they were asking me as a growing leaders team member here, how do you keep them? How do you do this? Mm. And so what we're about to talk about, Andrew, is is our response to people like that. If Absolutely. you're having trouble keeping committed students, maybe this will be just a conversation uh, for you. Absolutely. The goal cannot just be we yell at these kids. Why yeah. aren't you guys committed, yeah. right? It has to be in the way that we're leading because I I really think you're onto something here. There's a style of leadership that not only encourages students to follow through on their commitments, but I think it might almost inevitably lead to it. Yeah, I really think. So yeah. talk walk us through it. Okay. So let me start by saying the obvious. I think we, the older generations, maybe that's Gen X and baby boomers, are approaching recruitment and commitment in a way that is not appealing to the millennials and to Gen Z. Yeah. So I don't mean to make one big divide. I know people have different personalities, and some are committed, and they're 15. Yep. And some are not committed, and they're 65. <laughs> but, but by and large, we're using an approach that just isn't working. Yeah. So our outdated sequence of priorities, I think, uh, tells the story. So yep. let me just lay this out, listeners. So um, I am a baby boomer. I, I uh, grew up, uh, you know, in the 60s and 70s. That was my childhood. And so the, what worked back then, what was used on me, was this. Step three, three steps to make a commitment. One, an organization might say, believe what we believe. Yeah. So if you're going to, quote, unquote, join us. Yeah, you're changing you, to fit us. That's right. Yeah. In other words, embrace our mission and our core principles. You better learn them so you know what you're signing up for. So clubs did this on campus. You know, a church might give the right hand a Christian fellowship or something like that. You know, something would happen. Membership is transferred. Yep. But it was your joining after you believe what we believe. Yep. Okay? Yep. Make, still makes sense to us. Yeah. Number two, behave like we behave. Uh, yeah. So next, we want them to begin looking and acting like we do. Yep. And how many clubs, you know, here's a uniform, here's yep. a tie, here's a pin, wear this pin. Yep. Um, and again, I'm not against that. I'm just saying that's old school thought. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and then finally belong to our group. Yeah. So, and, and that once they implement these first two, uh, then we allow them to officially join. Now, now they actually get the pen. So yep. believe what we believe, behave like we be- behave, and then belong to our group. Mm. And I believe, this is just me, I believe the fact is today's students may just see the issues in the opposite order. Yeah. So I'm going to do a pregnant pause there for listeners to underscore what I just said. The opposite order. Uh, we offer programs, but what they want and need are deep, trusting relationships. Before I ever sign up for a program, I don't think I need another program, Bob. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know? So Generation Z has been programmed to death. I really believe that. And I'd love to hear from you because you're 30 years younger than I am, but I just feel like we've so prided ourselves in putting together this package, this program, and they're going, yeah, I can get that on Netflix or I can yeah. get that somewhere else. And it's actually better than yours, you know, Yeah. oftentimes. So they have a sports program thrown at them. They have YouTube and Amazon programs targeted at them. They have TV programs to watch. What they don't experience is rich relationships and community, which I think their heart of hearts, what they're longing for. Uh, longing for. So whether you're leading a classroom that they need to belong to, yeah, not just have to go to, uh, maybe it's a club on campus. Maybe it's an athletic team. Maybe you're an employer of young team members, and you say, well, you belong here. I pay you on Friday. Do something. Pretend like they're volunteers, and then say, what would I do to win them over? Yeah. Well, this is such good insight. I was actually having dinner with a friend of mine just last night, and we were talking about this exact uh, thing, huh. the feeling that we had even growing up of feeling like not only is this true, right? You've got to believe what we believe, yeah. and then you've got to look like how we look yeah, and yeah. dress <laughs> and act and all those things, and then you'll belong. But often, I think many uh, millennial generations, like I'll speak for mine, uh, would walk out of that feeling like uh, not only did we have to conform to this thing, but also the expectations that were set about how we'd feel belonging at the end of that sometimes didn't even show up, right? Yeah. So I put in all this work. I worked really hard to look like everybody else, and yet I don't feel like I mm-hmm. belong. And so yeah. not only was the relationship prioritized last, but sometimes it never even showed up. Yeah. And so I think a, a lot of the Generation Z is watching this and going, how do I know I can even trust you that yeah. if I do all of that stuff that I'm going to end up there. So you're exactly right. I think yeah. they long for that relationship, and they don't want to. They don't want to promise that it's going to show up at the end of a whole bunch of work. They want to see it up front. No doubt. And of course, research psychologist Brene Brown would say what we're really asking them to do is fit in, not belong. Yeah. Remember how she differentiates between the two. Yeah. Fitting in is what a boomer often wants. Just look like we look and yeah. say what we say. And and again, it, it worked in our head because it worked 30 years ago or so. Mm-hmm. And they're going, I don't want to just fit in. I'd like to be myself and belong and play the cards I have in my hand. So, Andrew, maybe this is an obvious statement, but inclusivity has taken on new meaning today. I agree. Um, everyone wants to belong to a tribe, whatever that tribe is, sports tribe, whatever. Um, <laughs> but unlike past generations, tribes may not center around a set of beliefs or behaviors. There's a lot of things that Gen Z belongs to. Just look at their phone. Look at all the apps. You know, they belong yeah. to something. And it may have nothing to do with, I believe exactly like you believe, or I, you know, this talk like you talk or whatever. So they often see older generations pushing for behavior modification uh, and, and cramming a set of beliefs down their throat to make sure everybody looks right. And I think we spend loads of time trying to get students to think like we think when that may never completely happen. Yeah. And maybe it's okay. Yeah. You know? So anyway, we have just a few minutes, but I'd, I want to um, dive in, Andrew, if it's okay with you. Let's do it. To talk about 
shifting this this set of three. Absolutely. So instead of, you know, believe what we believe, behave like we behave, and then belong, what if we what if we admitted the fact that we need to lead differently because they want to belong before they believe? Mm. So students don't necessarily make decisions based on logic or data. I don't think I did when I was 17 yeah, years old. Yeah, that's nothing new. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I enjoyed that way too much. Um, I know professors, salespeople, staff, and campus ministers, for instance, who've made the same mistake. They try to convince a young person about something before they build any sense of relationship, trust, or community. And students today would rather join a small affinity group and belong to this group even before they embrace the beliefs of the group. Mm-hmm. They'll figure that out as they go. Yeah. I watch my daughter in this same thing, uh, and, and I realize, oh, she wants to connect and then figure out what she believes. And I, do I like it? No, I still don't. But, but I know this is, if I have any hope of continuing to be a voice in her life, I've got to understand this. Mm. So their basis for making decisions is more relational than logical. Let me, I, I, I'm saying that. Do you agree with that? Do you feel like maybe that might be? I'm not saying it's illogical, but maybe relationship comes first. Yeah, I think relationship is a higher value yeah. because uh, of our generation growing up in a time where relationships are harder to come by, right? Yeah. Uh, they're not automatic. Scarcity. And even when you have them, yeah. yeah, even when you have them, they're often uh, digital and not quite as weighty. This is one of the reasons, Andrew's hypothesis here, one of the reasons I think our generation is leaning towards. Um, um, some of the things that are a little bit more physical, like we're going back to buying vinyl records, we're mm-hmm. going back to yeah. uh, spending more time in person, and some of those things I yeah. think are are seeing a resurgence because of the value of relationships has increased because of uh, scarcity, as you yeah. said. Yeah, yeah. I was um, interested in the fact that the last time I read the the latest Barna Research Group, they said that Generation Z students, these would be teenagers, I think, in this study, uh, no longer, the, the majority no longer trusts the institutions of our yes. land. Yep. So corporate America, government, ed- even education, healthcare. Yep. So the institutions, not so much trust yep. f- in. Yep. But they do trust an old generation per- older generation person with whom they have a relationship. Absolutely. So my grandpa, I'll listen to, yep. even though he might run that institution that I don't like, Yep. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So this is really helpful, listeners, I, 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 for me anyway. Um, they Their focus may be more social than rational in your head, yep. but for them it's very rational. Once I know you and I feel like I can trust you, I'll let you take my hand and walk me across this bridge that I wouldn't have crossed it without you. Absolutely. So, yeah. So author and research professor Brene Brown, I mentioned her earlier, talks about the difference between fitting and belonging. I think we need to stop pushing the fit-in thing. Yep where it's almost a uniform, and sometimes it is a uniform. Quite literally, uh, yes. Yeah, quite literally, um, and, and allow people to be individuals and then, and then belong. So um, I, I love what author James Clear says about this. He explains the difficulty of this reality, and I quote, Convincing someone to change their mind is really the process of convincing someone to change their tribe mm. because of these realities we're talking about. He goes on, if they abandon their beliefs, yes. they run the risk of losing social ties. It's true. Yeah. Haven't we seen this? Yeah. You can't expect someone to change their mind if you take away their community too. Yes. That's powerful. You have to give them somewhere to go. Nobody wants, to, nobody wants their worldview torn apart if loneliness is the outcome. Wow. So if you're wanting them to do anything, take a class, 
do well in a class, join an athletic team and stay committed the whole season, join a club, join a religious group, whatever. We better make sure that belonging thing is intact because those ties will need to be in place as we help shape this is what we think here. Absolutely. What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of adults are focused on, I'd really like for my kid to stop doing fill in the blank, whether it's, I, I wish they'd stop hanging out with those kids. I wish they'd stop showing up to that thing that they always go to. I wish they'd stop, you know, hanging out there on Friday nights. But this is actually even speaking to that, right? Yeah. If getting them to stop doing that is telling them they have to lose those relationships, that relational connection or that yeah. relational tie. Yeah. I think the the way you even pull some kid away from something is to give them something else more meaningful mm-hmm. to belong to, yeah, right? No doubt. So it's a replacement of that, uh, that so that they're not saying, oh, I've got to walk away and be lonely now, you know, from mm-hmm. that. So I love that quote. It's so insightful. It really is. So how do we do this? We, we have just a few minutes, and I really want to um, press in on how does this happen. Yeah. Well, first thing I need to say, and if you're taking notes, write this down. It isn't easy. Yeah. You know, this is not going to be three easy steps to to get commitment out of, out of students. I, even in our organization, we have adult full-time staff. Nobody's a student. Our interns are students, but but everybody else is in their careers. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to experience with four generations here a little bit different view on inclusivity and belonging. And I'm learning, Andrew. Mm. Uh, so we have new team members who want to belong but bring maybe a different set of priorities than past team members. And I believe the key is for leaders to fully embrace the DNA of the organization. So we need to know who we are. Yep. And haven't we had conversation? Let's not forget who we yep. are. Identity, yeah. That's right, identity. And we look at that wall where we have our mission and values and vision every single week for all of us, old and young. Yeah. And that's important. So we need to determine what's core. Um, guiding principles then become key for the team. But then after that, I believe this, that groups and hopefully listeners, any group has an application for this, need layers of commitment Yes, where you can put your toe, if I can use this term, put your toe in the water before you jump in the deep end. Mm -hmm. We've said, either you're in or you're out. Jump into the deep end of the pool. And they're going, I don't even have floaties yet. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, but if we could have, like some pools or beaches have this, let me put my toe in the water, just kind of ease in. Well, they're not committed. You're right. They're not committed yet. Yep. See if we like it here is what I was Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think what we need to do that we haven't done well is when that toe's in the water, create a sense of belonging. Now, it may not be heavy duty, and I'm not saying you give them money or something like that, but there's a sense of belonging at that little shallow level, shallow into the pool. Yeah. And then they start getting deeper and deeper, and we always ask for deep commitment. Well, think about the deep end of the pool. There, you can't, your toes don't touch the bottom. Mm-hmm. You better know how to swim. And the swim is the commitment thing. So we've got to teach them to swim by providing maybe a good uh, fi- a figure is, is concentric circles. Yes. We've talked about these before. Yep. So you know what concentric circles are, listeners. Okay, it's like a bullseye. There's an outer layer, another layer, another layer, and finally the inner circle. What if you provided steps of commitment for them to walk inward to get to the bullseye of full-on commitment? Yeah. Full-on commitment. And it would be silly for me to ask a brand new team. We just hired three new team members. Yeah, you know Mimi and Lauren and and and, and Molly. Uh, for me to ask the same that I ask of you. Yeah, or you ask of me. Yeah. Um, now, are they part of the team? You bet they are. But they're still they're in the they're in the yeah. shallow end. We're you not going to walk up to them and go, "Give your life to this," you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yet we want to. I want to. Yeah. And then I question the commit. You know, it's just silly. I I just realized. So, listeners, I'm I'm trying to. Um, maybe outline for you at least a, a diagram in your head 
of various layers of opportunities for commitment is really what we're talking about, these concentric circles. Absolutely. So same DNA, just a little bit different look as they come in. So one last thought, and then I know we need to wrap up. Andrew, you may want to say a couple of things because I have monopolized this conversation. <laughs> it's all good. I think that um, we need to remember the DNA is alike, but they may be cousins, not twins. Mm-hmm. I, I like that phrase. You've heard me say yeah. that before. Twins are, or especially identical twins, oh my gosh, which Look ones? Exactly which? the same. You've got yeah. the freckles, but you got a different, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Cousins are same family, but I don't expect Todd to look like Susan or whatever, you mm-hmm. know. So maybe that's what we're saying. Would you allow for cousins to be in that organization, even if they're not twins? Yeah, I love that. The concentric circle idea is so great because I think uh, using another component I've even heard from you before is as they move closer and closer into the organization, which is a greater and greater commitment level, it also needs to be um, self-selection, right? They are yeah. choosing yes. that yes. and then also making some sort of statement, yes. really, of, of selecting that. And you've talked about that and how you structure leadership programs yeah. that sort of invite them closer and closer. And I think that's important, too. And if I can get back to the original thought about community and relationships, the belong, I believe as commitment deepens, relationship and intimacy deepen. And I yeah. mean that in a healthy way. But... You know, you're at a whole nother level after years and years and years of being here. Well, of course, you know. Yeah, makes um, sense. So li- li- leaders, if you're asking that sophomore as they become a junior to step deeper, make sure your relationship with them is also deep. Ready to it's handle not that. superficial yeah. like mm-hmm. it was their freshman year, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. That's important. That's so good. That's so good. I love this. It, it, it takes me back to that statement you made at the beginning, right? It's uh, we have a blockbuster style of leadership yeah. in a Netflix world. And I think this is speaking so well to, for a lot of people listening, yeah. this may be like, I cannot believe what they're asking me to do. This is radical. This is yeah. weird. This is different. Yeah. It feels like we're changing too much. But I really think what we're doing is we're recognizing the times we're in and going, yeah. commitment just looks different today. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Well, you talked about when we were um, getting ready for this, uh, a, a young man that you led for yeah. years um, uh, earlier in your career named Michael yeah. and how you sort of walked him through and, and learned this process with him. Do you want to walk through that? Yeah, I'll do it briefly. But Michael is a great example of everything we're talking about. So he was a student who came to our department that I led. And Michael had some, um, the best way to describe it without going into detail, some unhealthy lifestyle choices going yeah. on. But what's ironic is, even though the, he was kind of just everywhere with his lifestyle choices, he wanted to be highly involved and become a leader. Mm-hmm. So you and I both believe leadership means sacrifice. Yeah. But the moment I immediately say, well, Michael, you need to make some sacrifice. You're going to be a leader. You've got to be committed here, 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 and here, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's, a, that's a lot, you know? Yeah. And the, the fact of the matter was he didn't want to give up some of the lifestyle choices Absolutely. he was making. So instead of condemning him or saying, well, get away until you come back committed, I learned myself to create some shallow into the pool. Yep. Concentric circles. Yeah, that sort of thing. So because he expressed a desire to be involved and to lead, I kept calling him back to that. You still want to be? Yeah, I do. Okay, okay. Because you said that to me, and um, I would point out some very doable decisions he would need to make, and some of them sacrificial. 
Because I really do believe that leadership means giving up your rights, not gaining rights. It's yep. not about power, but empowerment. Yes. So I began to, I guess I began to be a teacher in a sense of leadership may look different than you thought. It's not about, you know, just a badge and some power. Well, I watched Michael walk through these concentric circles beautifully. Mm. And I watched him. I get teary because I remember him very well making some decisions that I knew were hard for him. But he said, I want this more than I want those things Love it. that I had in my past. And, you know, life is trade-offs, isn't it? It is. And he ended up being one of our top-level leaders in the department. He made the decision to give up in order to grow up and go up Yeah. to be cheesy. There. I was about to say, uh, that's a very Timmis yeah, thing yeah. to say there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and John Maxwell said give up to go up first. So, But the point is, maybe the sacrifice thing is still good. Yeah. We just need to get to it differently. Yeah, invite them into a process yeah. Yeah. and celebrate them all along That's the way, right. which is yeah. what you did. Well, Tim, thank you so much for challenging us in this. This is high-level leadership stuff, and it's such a perfect example of uh, what leading the next generation looks like. It's just a little bit different today. So yeah. thank you so much for your uh, wisdom and diving in with uh, on this subject. Well, commitment is uh, a life skill one that today's students need just as much as any past generation needed. And if you're looking for ways to teach life skills, just like commitment, actually, commitment is one of the life skills we teach in our Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning program. So if you're looking for uh, a curriculum or a program or even just a, a book to put in the hands of a student and you really want to teach them about commitment, we've got really great resources for you. They're not the only resources out there, but we really believe in them. Habitudes simply uses images to communicate and help develop students uh, habits mm -hmm. and attitudes, and we believe that's the correct correct path to be able to shape their life. Um, so if you'd be interested in finding out more about that, head on over to growingleaders.com slash SEL, and you can find out all about our Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning program, which we have for both middle school and high school uh, groups. As always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars. That gets the word out about what we're doing. Or you might want to quite literally get the word out by passing this episode along to somebody who you think might find it helpful. We would love for you to do that. Uh, if you want to connect with us on social media, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore. We love connecting with you on there. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, people you want us to interview, topics you think we should cover, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those. Tim, thank you so much again for leading us. Uh, go out and develop those students to make long-term commitments today. Thank you guys so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.